Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Good morning. Let's start off with a prayer. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you because you are the giver of all good things. Lord, just thank you for this day where we could come and hear your word. And I just pray that our hearts and minds are open to your truth this morning. And we lift this all up in Jesus' name. Amen. As Pastor Matt said before, we're, pre- we're preaching through our Villa's Grace Values. Uh, these will be uh, eventually our partnership class. So if you come to join our church uh, as, a, as a church partner you will be going through all of these values. It's really important these days, especially when not all churches hold the same values. So it's, it's a really good idea to, to just take this in and, and see this as a class, and hopefully these become more than just ideas. Hope, hopefully this becomes what we do and what we say and, and, and how we live out the gospel in this church. So as we continue, uh, Matt, Pastor Matt did... We, we desire to have authentic relationships. That was the first one. We desire to have authentic relationships with God and with each other. It's very important. And last week he preached, we have no spare parts. Every person in here should have a purpose and should have a, a hand to the plow in, in, in the workings of our church. It's important that everybody is on board and everybody's able to help. So let's get into our third one. Well, look at this guy, or girl, I don't know, I don't want to assume it's gender, but. <laughs> so if you lived in Southwest Florida long enough, or really anywhere in the Southeast, you've probably come across one of these or many of their buddies. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was, uh, I was invited to a big family and, and friends Reunion out in LaBelle. It was a, a guy's property. He's got tons of property out there, really beautiful. Has a big pond and a, and a river that kind of runs through that. So, you know, good food, good fellowship. And then I got to slip away to do some bass fishing. So I'm all excited. I'm like, yes. I go over to this corner. I start catching fish. It's great. It's like one of those days where you could throw a bear hook out there and it just bites it. It's just, it's one of those great days. So I'm there having fun, minding my own business. When all of a sudden, of course I'm wearing flip-flops because I am a Floridian, I feel this tickling all over my foot. Now you know, by the oops, in Florida there's one of the rules is if you feel like something's crawling on you, that's because it is. (laughs) So I look down and my whole foot is covered. I'm standing right next to a big ant pile. I mean, my whole foot is covered. So as you might know, because this has probably happened to you, you just go into ninja slap mode. Bop, 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 And that's the only way to get them off. If you stuck your foot in the water, they'd be like, thanks for the water. We're going to bite you anyway. So you, that, you know the only way to get those things off is you just start slapping, and, and you get those things off you. What I'm curious about, though, how do they know? I just want to know this. I'm going to ask God this one day when I get to heaven. How do they know? It's like they wait till the last ant gets on board, and then they're like, all right, you guys ready? Bam! And then they all just hit you at once. I don't get it. Here's a few fun facts, though, about this red ant. It's native to Central South America, but it's been reported in Antigua, Barbados, Bahamas, the British and U.S. Virgin Islands, 
Cayman Islands, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore, Taiwan, Trinidad, Tobago, and the Turks in the Caicos Islands. Think about those, just spanning out from s central South America. This, uh, they call it the RIFA, the Red Introduced Fire Ant. I don't know who thought this was a great idea. Was introduced from Brazil into either Mobile, Alabama, or Pensacola, Florida, between 1933 and 1945. However, the red fire ant infests Puerto Rico and all of many uh, southern western states from Maryland to California. As of August 2008, the following US states have been established as infestations. Now there's a word that you know, brings joy to your heart, right? Infestations. Let's see if we made the list. Alabama, Arkansas, California, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Mexico, North Carolina, South Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia. It's like that Johnny Cash song, I've been everywhere. Uh, the infestations in Maryland and Virginia are sparse. I, mean, I guess they'll try harder next year, but they're still considered. Now think about this. This is only one species of ant. There's like some 12,000 species of ants. Some way worse than this fire ant, so I guess we could be kind of happy that we have this. I think we could all agree on this one thing. We hate them. Amen? If not, if you haven't lived here long enough, you'll, you'll grow to have a dislike for these little guys. But we have to agree that these ants are amazing, amazing creatures. I mean, think about it. They spread like a network, like unbelievable from probably coming in on things that are imported and exported, um, you know, just hitching a ride. Next thing you know, they're digging in the ground. They, uh, I think it says right here, this is another thing that you can think about as you lay your head on your pillow tonight. The queen can produce around 1,500 eggs a day. Unbelievable. Thank God their lifespan is only about 90 days. So I guess they have to do that. But can, they're incredibly successful because they're extremely organized and they are sold out to a common cause. And that is the su success of the colony. Their lives depend on the success of the colony to survive, to reproduce. But here's the thing, this is what the church should be like. Now, we're not trying to do this because we're trying to be successful. We're not out to do this because we wanna spread Christianity as a just because it's a religion. Guys, we have a life-saving message, the, and that's the gospel. That's our point. We want to be successful in becoming disciples that make disciples of Jesus Christ. And it's not just, you know, like I said, it's not because we want to just, you know, reproduce this religion. We have a life-saving message that's more important than any other message that we could possibly spread, and that is the gospel. That brings us to core value number three. We, oh, I'm sorry, that brings us to our sermon uh, this morning. We make followers of Jesus Christ. We want to be a church that make followers of Jesus who make followers of Jesus. This, which is, is core value three of seven. Let's get into our verses of where we got this from. Because we, you know, everything we say and do here, we want to back with God's word. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. This is also known as the Great Commission. This is what Jesus gave to the disciples, and it's as a commandment to go and spread the gospel, making disciples of all the nations. So this is where we get our main idea and core value number three. We make followers of Jesus. Discipleship is our conviction. We desire to make followers of Jesus who make followers of Jesus. Let's get into the, this, these passages to see how this is true. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. He's giving us a commandment. He's telling us to go. Now, this was for the disciples, but it, this is also for anyone who's a disciple. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you are a disciple. He's telling all of us to go and make disciples of all the nations. See, this is where um, I believe a lot of churches struggle. Um, I've been serving in churches for about uh, 16 years now, and I've seen good things. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. One of the things I think that, especially in American Christianity these days, we struggle with is making disciples. Now, we do church pretty well. We've got this figured out. We show up, we fellowship, we hear a good word, and then we just kind of go on our way. Some churches are really good with programs. I mean, these bigger churches, you, you look at all the list of programs that they have, and if you're a left-handed single mom with three children and you can meet on Tuesday nights, they got a group for you. <laughs> I mean, we're really good at doing programs. Some churches are really good at, at Bible studies, and, and, and that's a great thing. You know, you know, that's not a bad thing. Some churches are really good with that. You'll come in and, and you'll get a seminary-type lesson and you'll get to learn all this really good information. But we want to be a church that does all those things well, but we also want to do the most important thing and make followers of Jesus. That's what we want to teach people is how to make followers of Jesus. We want to make disciples. Well, what exactly is a disciple? Because there's a little bit of confusion about that. There's apostles, there's disciples. You read about them in scripture. Now, not every disciple is an apostle but all the apostles were disciples. Did I clear that up? It's clear as mud now. Apostles were given for a time to set the church up. Disciples are just simply followers of Jesus Christ. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a disciple. So we get our first point. A disciple is someone that lives and acts like Jesus. Therefore, God has given us the responsibility to teach others to live like him. That's the idea. We want to become a Christ follower that can make other Christ followers. And that's how we carry out the command, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. See, we, how do we do this? How do we, how do, we do this you know, where, where the rubber meets the road? How do we do this in this church? Well, this is how we plan to do this. Here at Villa's Grace, we want to make disciples through relationships. That's what it's all about. You hear that again and again and again and again and again. And soon, hopefully, it'll just become part of our culture. We want to do these things. Yes, we're going to learn God's word. We're going to hear you know, good preaching. We're going to hear great worship music. We're going to do all these things. We're going to have programs. We're going to do all those things. But we want to make disciples through relationships. Um, 
most people have a discipleship class, uh, you know, they have a thing you go through, we have a partnership class, uh, you know, they feel like it's a, a class or a series of classes. We think it's doing life together. Doing life together with each other and, 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 and being discipled through that. I had a good friend, um, his name's Pastor Roland Martinez. He's uh, up in North Carolina now. Um, he, he moved away. But uh, I got saved when I was about 27 years old. I, I started, uh, the, the guy that baptized me was the youth pastor at the time, a really good friend of mine. His, his name's David Hinkson. He's a, a pastor up in Alabama now. And uh, so anyways, I knew him from high school. And the, the, the moment I got baptized, I don't know about you, but I was excited. I was just really excited. And I remember him baptizing me, and I came up out of the water, and he congratulated me, gave me a hug, and I'm like, yeah, you know what, dude, you just baptized me, now you gotta use me. I, I'm plugging in somewhere, I like the youth, I wanna come work with the youth group. So he's like, okay, fine. Um, we became really good friends with he and his wife, Heather, and uh, he was, uh, we got along really good, he was a Florida State Seminole fan, which was a lot less painful back then than it is now. But, <laughs> So, I mean, you know, really got along. We had a lot of fun. And all of a sudden, three months into that, he sits me down and he's like, Jared, I'm leaving. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I'm going to go cons uh, continue my education, my seminary education up in northern Florida, and I'm leaving. And I'm thinking, man, we just got started. Like, this is fun. Like, you know, we're friends. We're doing ministry together. This is awesome. Well, next comes this other guy, this, this crazy loud Cuban from Miami, a hurricane fan, ugh, kind of makes me nauseous thinking about it. But Pastor Roland and I became really, really close friends. Um, he, it was neat because uh, we, we served down in Bonita, but we realized we both kind of lived in San Carlos Park. So what was awesome is, is, is this, Roland, who, you know, I, I wasn't even sure how this was gonna work out, actually became my mentor. He became someone that took over and, and discipled me. I was a brand new Christian. He was uh, you know, a, a pastor, and it was just really needed. And this is kind of what we're talking about. See, he pushed me to grow spiritually. He, he took me under his wing. He got me to a place where he, he made me realize that it was more about just making a decision. It's a way of life. And I didn't, he didn't just tell me, hey, go read the Bible or, you know, go take these classes or try to do this and follow these rules. He brought me into his family and he showed me what it meant to be a Christ follower. He, I got to see how he loved his family, how he studied God's word, how it played out in his decisions, um, you know, in business and stuff like that. So we fully intend to give you guys all the same opportunity through small groups. That's how we're hoping this is gonna work out. Now, we could come to church on Sunday and, and, and we could have a you know, great service and we could fellowship and that's all great, but there's gotta be more to this. So what we plan to do through uh, life groups, because we don't have Sunday school classes anymore, we're planning on starting to build these groups and these like networks, almost like kind of like the ants. And we're gonna build these little groups and networks and they're gonna meet at off times, maybe in someone, mostly in, in households. So you can invite your neighbors and you can invite your friends and we're gonna do Bible studies. And we're going to disciple each other through this process. 
We're going to hopefully start to point out the mature, more mature Christians who can disciple the less mature Christians. And that's okay. If it, wherever you are on that scale right now, that's fine. We were all there at one point. But it's starting to, to try to identify you know, where we are all at in that so that we can do what Christ is asking us to do. So how do we make disciples? Well, we get our second point. We must know Jesus personally and live as examples for others to follow. Because if, if you don't know Jesus personally and you're not living to follow him, you're not a mature Christian. And that's okay. Maybe you were never discipled before. Maybe, you know, much like me some, you know, in early on, I was saved for a while before someone came along and, and they really started to pour into me to teach me how to be a Christ follower. And that's why we're reminded of our main point. We make followers of Jesus. Discipleship is our conviction. We desire to make followers of Jesus who make followers of Jesus. Well, what do we do now? Jesus said, go and make disciples. He continues on with this. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, we see that first word here, baptizing them. There's some Christians who believe that baptizing Baptism saves you. We believe in two ordinances, ordinances here. That's believer's baptism, which is a triune baptism, and the love feast communion. Those are very important. However, baptism and communion cannot save you. That is not how we're saved. Um, I think of the thief on the cross. Many of you know this, this story. If you don't, Basically, when Jesus was crucified, there was a, a thief to his right and a, and a thief to his left. One of the thieves mocked him. The other thief recognized who Jesus was, repented of his sin, confessed and believed in him. Jesus told that thief, today I tell you the truth, you will be with me in paradise. This thief didn't have time to get baptized. He didn't have time to do communion, which wouldn't have made sense because Jesus didn't die yet. He didn't have time to give a bunch of money to the church. He didn't have time to do a bunch of good things. He, got, he had time for, you know, for, for one set of ideas, and that is to, to confess, to repent, to confess, and to believe in the Savior. That is what saves us. So understand this. The importance of this verse is not about baptizing them. It is an important step. We believe in believer's baptism. It's, it's the first thing that uh, you know, a believer should do because guess what? Jesus did it. So if we're going to be Christ followers, Jesus got baptized, we should, we should do the same. But what's important here is that we're doing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what's important here. You see, as a church, as disciples who make disciples, we can't do anything in, in our own power. This has to be through the power of God. We have to recognize where God's at work and we join in with him as he's working. He's saying here that you take care of your business and I'll take care of my business. You do the things that I'm asking you to do and I will give you the power through my name to do the things I'm asking you to do. That's why this is important. So we learn, our third point is, we follow Jesus and teach others to follow Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that this works. We could try to have the best programs. We could try to, you know, uh, 
rope you guys in and, and teach you all these you know, great things on how to be a, a great Christian, but if we're not living and breathing through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not gonna work. So after we're baptizing, we're believing in God that he's gonna give us the power to do it, Jesus moves to this. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you to do. So we're making disciples, we're baptizing in his name. Now he's saying, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you to do. Did you know that Jesus commands us to do things? There's commandments of Christ. It's, it's funny because I believe that there's many, many Christians there like, well, I believe in Jesus, that's it. This is where it ends, right? I stamp my ticket to heaven and that's it. Well, it's funny because there are commandments of Christ. See, it wasn't just the ordinance Jesus commands us to do. We find true value and purpose for our lives in following Jesus through his commandments. So while just believing in Jesus, don't get me wrong, is, is good enough for salvation, it's not good enough for following Jesus. It's not good enough for being a disciple. There's about 50 specific commands of Christ in the Gospels, things like keep your word, seek God's kingdom, fear God, not man, forgive offenders, be perfect, choose the narrow way, hear God's voice, ask in faith. These aren't just suggestions Jesus is giving us. He's saying, if you want to be a Christ follower, if you want to do what I'm doing, do these things. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's funny because Jesus is actually very serious about people following his commandments. In John 14, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He says elsewhere in Luke to a group of people, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't even do the things that I say? So it seems like Jesus is telling us, I'm not just giving you lip service. I want you to actually go out and do these things. Now, what's awesome is that we're not under the law. So there's a little bit of a difference here, and it's pretty neat because Jesus kind of spells this out in Matthew 11. He's talking to a group of people that want to follow him, and, but off to the side, there's the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the givers of the law, and he kind of says something neat here, and this verse is kind of taken out of context sometimes. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and I'll give them rest because my yoke is light and my way is gentle. I'm kind of paraphrasing there. Some people will look at this verse and they'll say, hey, this is an awesome promise from God, so if you're having a really hard life, he wants you to come to him to get, to get rest. While that's true, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying here, my yoke is light and my way is gentle. What he's, he's talking about is that the group of Pharisees have what was called the yoke of the law. You know, a yoke is something that you put on oxen to control them. The yoke of the law was backbreaking. It was impossible. If you don't believe me, just try to live out the rest of this day without breaking a commandment. It's literally impossible and it's backbreaking. What Jesus is saying, he's like, come to me and my yoke is light and my way is gentle because I will give you a yoke, but it is the yoke of grace. It is the yoke of, of forgiveness. It is the yoke of mercy. That's why his yoke, his way is easy and it will give you rest. See, 
we also give, we can also, because of the yoke of grace, we can also view all of the commandments. Jesus summed them up in one commandment. Love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He was, because he was asked, you know, teacher, you know all these commandments. Tell us what the greatest one is. He goes, okay, you know, because of course they were trying to trap him there. He's like, Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself, and you'll follow the rest of these commandments. So if we want to teach the greatest commandment, if we want to teach the greatest commandment by loving God first and, uh, and others more than ourselves, that's how we make disciples. That's how we teach the commandments, by loving God the most, loving others second, and ourselves last. But because Jesus is awesome, he doesn't just leave us there. He gives us all these things to think about, and he gives us all these things to contemplate, and he gives us these things to do, but he ends with this. And, be, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, again, as I, I kind of brought up earlier, God doesn't just tell us to do these things, and he certainly doesn't want us to work in our own power to accomplish these things. He's saying, listen, I want you to go. I want you to make disciples of all the nations. I want you to go do this work. I want you to be a Christ follower. I want you to know him and, and, and grow in him so you could go with him. I want you to do all these things, but you're not going to do it alone. I'm going to be with you even to the end of the age. It's awesome. Uh, I think Mike mentioned it earlier in, in uh, worship that we don't have some far off God that's just out there like in the cosmos where he just created life and he's just kicked back waiting for it all to play out. He's a personal loving God who loves us. But for some reason, he's given us the responsibility to go and spread this life-saving message. Think about it. If a bunch of ants can spread themselves out throughout the globe simply because they're sold out to a common cause, then why can't we? So let me ask you, church. Do you feel like discipleship is the job of the leadership of the church? Because I hope you've seen this morning that it's not. If you're relying on us, good luck. I hope you can see that we're all called to become disciples that make disciples. So let me ask you, do you know Jesus personally? I'm not talking about the idea of Jesus. I'm not talking about, you know, hopefully there was a guy named Jesus and he died and I'm just going to kind of believe in him for fire insurance. Do you know him personally? Because in order to be a, a mature Christian, you have to know him personally because that's the only way you can show people how to be like him. Are you someone that strives to be like Jesus? That's a tall order. But remember, we're under the yoke of grace. So that when we strive to be like Jesus and we mess up, he's there to forgive us and he's there to help us become better. Do you feel responsible to tell others the gospel message? You are all in contact with people that I'll never meet. Family, friends, coworkers. God has placed you in a specific spot because you're supposed to be that one to give that life-saving message. Are you committed to the cause of being a disciple who can make other disciples? 
it has to be a commitment. It can't be this, just this idea that we want to join a church and we want to be a part of something, but it has to be a commitment to becoming a disciple and making a disciple. And that's why we can say with all honesty, we make followers of Jesus, and we're going to keep on saying it. Discipleship is our conviction. We desire to make followers of Jesus who make followers of Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we want to be a church that glorifies and honors you and the work you have given us to do. Please help us to personally know you more, grow in you daily, and go with you to spread the good news of the gospel. If there's anyone here that doesn't know you or would like to know you more, Lord, I just pray you reveal yourself to them right now in a de on a deeper level. I pray that we take the commandment to be disciples that make disciples seriously and wholeheartedly. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email connect at villasgrace.com.